morning, church. It's great to see you. Get your Bible out. Turn with me to John chapter 15. And uh, if you have your note sheet, you can take some notes. I, it's really a teaching tool. You just remember uh, more of the things that you write down. I, I have a question. My kids are getting older now, so if there's any parents in here with young kids, you can maybe help me out. Do, does McDonald's still do a Happy Meal? That's a lie, okay? Let's just, let's just, right? That's a lie. You remember the Happy Meal? You know, like I remember we'd get in line. We'd be taking a road trip with the kids. We'd go to McDonald's. Uh, we'd stop. We'd get the Happy Meal. You get the toy, right? I don't know. What, what are some of the toys they're giving out these days? Anybody help me out? What? Is, what? Operation? Like the game where you, that, that's a toy. Okay, I'm like. What a dumb game that is. Hey, kids, if you mess up, you get shocked, you know, like whatever. But, yeah, so you got the Happy Meal, the toy, right? And you're on this road trip, and the happiness of that toy lasts for how long on a road trip? Uh, five minutes, maybe, right? And what do you get for a 50-cent plastic toy? But, you know, five minutes. And listen, and all the years of rearing my children and upbringing, when my kids were down in the dumps, there was never a moment in their lives where they would pause and go, you know, I'm down right now, but now that I think of it, the Happy Meal brought me great happiness, right? And guess what? As adults, our Happy Meals, don't we're, we're the same. They don't change. Our Happy Meals just get more expensive, right? Man, if I had the fill in the blank, right, man, I would, I'd know happiness. And one of the lies of the culture is the culture tries to get us um, to substitute happiness for joy, right? And so when we sing about joy, joy has a depth and a confidence to it that really is much, much deeper than happiness. And it actually grounds itself. It finds its cornerstone in eternal truths, right? And we just sang about that, really. I never heard that last song, like the idea that eternity has interrupted our lives, if you think about that, right? And so the question is, if we're going to have joy, we have to understand, man, what are some eternal truths, and how has that impacted our lives so that we don't go through life pursuing something as fleeting as happiness, although I hope that all of you, and this will be our New Year's series, actually, we're going to do a series called Blessed. I want you to know how God has blessed us. But I want your life to be grounded in something much, much deeper, which is joy. So John chapter 15, verse 9, if you have your Bible turned there, the context of this passage is really where Jesus is instructing his disciples that he is the vine and we as followers of Christ are the branches. And if we're going to grow and if we're going to bear fruit, our lives have to be grounded in Christ, okay? So that's kind of the context. And that God the Father is kind of the vine dresser. He oversees the vineyard, if you will, to keep the picture going. And so John chapter 15, verse 9, here's Jesus teaching his disciples, follow along with me. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will Abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but 
I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give you. I want to draw a couple points out of this text this morning that I hope will teach you and give you abiding joy at the Christmas season. First of all, joy starts, number one, when we consider Jesus Christ's love for us. Listen, if you're new around here at Coastal, we, we use the term gospel a whole lot, okay? And, and if you're a longtime Christian and the term gospel gets old to you, your soul needs recentering, okay? And if you're new here, we, the word gospel means what? Somebody shout it out. What does gospel mean? It means good news, right? And to understand good news, that implies something. What does it imply? There's actually what? Some bad news, right? So the bad news is the Bible says we are sinners. We we've got the God of the Bible, the God that we worship, He's holy. He he He's without sin. He's He's perfect. In fact, one of the phrases I, I use a lot at Yorktown, I say the Bible doesn't teach that you have to be good to go to heaven. How many times do you talk to people in the community and go, How do you get to heaven? Well, you got to be good to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach you have to be good to go to heaven. Is that good or bad, right? The Bible actually teaches you have to be perfect to go to heaven, right? Anybody here perfect? If you're not sure, get married, all right? Your spouse will make it clear to you. You're definitely not perfect, right? And so that's why we, part of the reason we get married, right? And so the bad news is our sin has separated us from God. And so what we deserve is his wrath and his punishment. But God in his grace and his mercy, he gave, right? And so letter A, like Jesus laid down his life for us. The beginning of joy is to be connected to your creator, God, through the person of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And so for us to have joy... And to be connected in this joy to be grounded in eternal truths and eternal principles is to understand the good news of the gospel. That our sin separates us from God, and God, but God didn't leave us in that helpless, hopeless estate. God sent us his greatest gift, his one and only son. Jesus, and so hopefully, and I'm, in fact, I know Pastor Andrew's been teaching you, what are the core facts of the gospel? My deacons, where are my deacons? Raise your hand, those who went through the deacon training. Yes, right? What are the three core facts of the gospel? Jesus is God, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and Jesus bodily rose from the grave, conquering the wage of sin, which is death. And it's our job, if we're going to have joy, to connect to our creator, God, by repenting of our sin. Hey, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm needy, turning. The word repentance means turning 180 degrees from my sin and believing and receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Listen, if you don't have that cornerstone in your life, you are not going to have joy. You're going to spend your life pursuing happiness, and happiness is as fleeting as the Happy Meal, okay? And we, we just all, our pursuit of happiness just gets more expensive as we become adults, and less fulfilling. Joy starts with knowing our Creator through the gospel of Jesus, which leads to letter B, right? Letter B, Jesus tells us we are in co- he's in covenant friendship with us 
We have joy when we consider that we're in a covenant relationship with God. And so verse 13 of John chapter 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, And you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. There's a lot here. I'm not going to be able to unpack it all in our time. But, you know, before Christ, Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul actually tells us we're actually enemies with God. Right? Listen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, don't leave here today thinking that the Bible teaches that you're in a neutral position with God. You're not. The Bible actually says apart from Christ, we're actually enemies with our Creator. Because God is holy and our sin, we reject the things that are holy and righteous and good, right? And so, and so, but in Christ, when we repent of our sins, we believe in Christ we get the credited righteousness of Jesus Christ. His good works get credited to our spiritual bank account, if you will, by grace alone, through faith alone. And no longer are we enemies with God, but now God calls us friends. And it's not like co-equal friendship like you and I. Like if we were friends and, and there's you know one human being to another, this is, this is so much better than this. This is by grace alone, through faith alone, that the, the Almighty in His Son Christ calls us friends which means he, God cares for you. I mean, if you came in here this morning with heavy burdens, like, like God genuinely cares for you. He, whatever you're going through, he wants to know about it. He wants you to pray to him. He wants to be in relationship with him. We are This friendship with God is now offered to you in the person of Christ. Man, that brings us great joy. God cares about every jot and tittle, every small thing in your life. He cares about, which leads to letter C, right? We have, we have joy in Christ because God has communicated his truths to us. Think about that for a minute. Listen, there, there's, there's worldviews out there. In fact, honestly, many of our founding fathers of this great nation had this worldview called deism. Deism is the idea that God created the world and he stepped back and like turned it loose. Like, yeah, just like you start a watch and a watch keeps ticking kind of thing. But that's not what the scriptures say. The God of the Bible is intimately involved with us. He cares deeply for us. He has communicated his truths to us. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Listen, the word of God has been communicated to us and it's been gifted to us. And we have joy when we know the word of God. There's, there's, there's no joy and there's no peace in a life that is ignorant around the word of God. By the way, look at any culture that the, where the word of God has not deeply impacted that culture and influenced that culture. And you're going to find darkness and you're going to find oppression and you're going to find pain and you're going to find injustice and you're going to find every other evil known to man. It is the word of God as it impacts your life personally and as it impacts a culture that will lift the culture. By the way, if you're a reader, all right, I want you to write a book down. There's a couple 
handful of books in my library that have had tremendous impacts on me, okay? One of them is called The Book That Made Your World, okay? So if you're a, a reader, I would encourage you to get that. I can't even pronounce the author's last name. He's actually an Indian from India that's a Christian that he wrote an incredible book about how the Word of God has deeply influenced Western culture to lift it to many of the freedoms that we enjoy today. Pretty cool, right? And so God did not keep his word hidden from us, but he revealed his word and his law through the prophets, through Christ, as Paul says in these last days, and through the apostles. And to know the word is the beginning of joy. Now, I'm going to circle back to this in a minute, but church, we have to be in the Word of God. Ready? Anybody remember how we started the new year? You have to have been a coastal for a whole year. Anybody remember how we started the new year? We started the new year with a thing called what? What was it? Dwell, right. And we said, hey, let's take the year and let's read through the Scriptures. Now, some of you are like, man, I forgot that. I got to Genesis 12, okay? And uh, kind of, listen, there's no, whatever. Just pick it up again and start reading the Word. And by the way, you don't even have to finish it in a year. Like, just... Make the Word of God a regular in your reading, right? Because if we don't know the Word of God, we're going to be left in darkness. And Jesus says, listen, my Father, he, he didn't leave you in darkness. He gave, I'm coming, giving you the words of the Father. Do you ever wonder, man, what, did God, what does God want for me? Why doesn't God communicate with me? Well, he has, right? That's what Jesus is telling us. I came to give you the truth. So if you're not a regular in the Word of God, you ready? Pick up the Gospel of John and read a chapter a day. It will radically shift your life as you know the Word of God, right? And in that, you'll know joy. And so joy comes when we know the Word of God, letter D, and then God chose us. And why did God choose us as followers of Him? To bear fruit. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Listen, when we think about God's sovereign choice to adopt us into his family he, and we get to be a part of what he's doing, it should humble us. Did you know, by the way, uh, there's no place in, in the life of a Christian for pride, we're not a part of God's family because we got it all together. We're a part of God's family, according to scriptures, because God chose us to be a part of his family. You don't believe me, right? Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. What did God, why did God choose Israel? Anybody know? Because they had it together? What did God say? I chose you because you're the least of all the nations, right? Read 1 Corinthians 1, the church of Corinth. They thought they had it all together. What did Paul say to the church of Corinth? He chose you because you're the least of all the people. Why is it that God very often chooses the people we wouldn't normally choose to, to display his glory? Because he gets more glory through weakness than through people that come with all kinds of strengths. Amen? And so if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, he chose you to display his glory. The second thing that Jesus teaches is God chose us to be in his family for, to be, so that we'll be humble. But secondly, we're chose to be in his family, which also gives us purpose. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when you become a Christian, okay, and so once we become a Christian, we, Christ, because Christ rose from the grave and overcame the penalty of sin, we become a Christian. The, the Bible says the same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead now lives inside of us. So as Christians, we have no fear of death. So why doesn't we become a Christian, God just take us into heaven? 
Because does anybody here experience life and said, man, life is hard? Anybody say life is hard? Anybody having a tough Christmas season? I, you know, sometimes like Christmas is, you know, you kind of watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. Okay, but oh, maybe you're watching the Hallmark Christmas movies, right? And like, yeah, my life doesn't look anything like that, you know? Like they're all happy and, you know, like, you know, you know every Hallmark story, right? The person loses their Christmas spirit. They find a significant other. They get the Christmas spirit, they fall in love, and they discover some business they should have started that becomes wildly successful, right? Like, all that happens in, in an hour, right? Like, yeah, so, and your life's not like that, right? And it's hard, and, you know, maybe you lost a loved one this Christmas season. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe finances aren't what you had hoped, right? And, and so, like, where's, where's all this Christmas happiness that everyone else seems to have? Why doesn't God just take us to heaven? It seems like it'd be a lot easier. Why does he leave us here? He leaves us here so that we may spread the name and fame of Jesus Christ. He actually, and Jesus said, I want you to produce fruit that abides. What's he talking about? He's talking about investing in other people so that other people may know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I picked one of these up. I have a handful at my house, all right? Uh, these are Christmas Eve invite cards. Everybody see these? Listen, I, I did this this weekend. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit. I know I'm, I just said we're supposed to be humble as Christians, but I'm going to brag, okay? I make an incredible banana bread. Incredible, okay? And some of you are like, can I get a piece? No, okay, because I only made a limited number. And, and here's what I do. I make them for all my neighbors, and I take one of these cards, and my neighbors don't know Jesus, and I put that on the banana bread, or I go over and I hand them the banana bread, which I hope they like, and I hand them a card and I say, listen, I need you to come to Christmas Eve service. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, okay? My banker, same lady, I go to the same bank teller window. I know, listen, I know for those of you who still write checks and I get occasional check, like I know I can now take a picture of it and deposit it that way and I don't even have to go to the bank, right? But I choose to go to the bank because there's one lady that I've been sharing the gospel with for years now and she's so close. She's so close to at least attending, you know? And I, this is what this is. Can you guys that call this your home church, can you take three of these and invite three people? Can you do that? Like, let's do that. Why? Why did God leave us here? To, so that others can hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. If you take three of those cards and one person comes that you know doesn't know Jesus and they hear the gospel message of Jesus, is that going to bring you joy? Huge joy, right? Like, what's greater than somebody getting to know Jesus Christ? Okay, number two. Second thing I want you to see this morning. We have joy when we consider our response to Jesus' love. So Jesus loves us. That's what Jesus is telling us. Abide in me. If you love me, you abide in me. All right? And then number two, our response is letter A, to abide in his love. John chapter, five, verse 15, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, let me ask you something. How do we abide in the love of Christ? I don't know if you ever thought about that. How do we abide in the love of Christ? There's a couple ways, and one of them will be my second letter here. But first of all, there's things called personal disciplines. Okay? For those of you who know your great commission, Matthew 28, Jesus left us here to go do something. What did he leave us here to do? To go and make what? Disciples. What is at the root of the word disciple? Discipline, right? So how do we abide in the love of Christ? Well, there's personal discipline, being in the word, being in prayer, occasionally fasting. I could go through some 
great spiritual discipline. But there's also corporate disciplines, right, that we do together as the body of Christ, as a local church. Now, I know Pastor Andrew has drilled this into your heads, right? What is the vision of Coastal? What, why do we exist as a church? We want to do what? Develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And we, there's three very important things that we do in that, all right? We want you to, what, anybody know? Connect, and what does that mean? We want you to be in corporate worship. Corporate worship is about, it's a discipline to be a disciple so that you abide in Christ. How does that happen? How many times a year should you attend corporate worship? Like every week. I know, maybe take your vacations. Listen, if you're joining us online, like I just ran into somebody this week where the online made a huge difference in a shut-in's life in a family that I know of. It was incredible. I'm so grateful for online. But here's how I define online. Have you ever gone to someone's house that they don't have a fireplace, but on their TV they have a fire going? Right? Like, you see the fire, but you don't feel its warmth. Right? There's a warmth to being a part of the body. So if you're joining us online, we're thrilled to make the online part of our ministry at Coastal. But it's not the same as connecting in corporate worship. We want you to feel the warmth of brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping, learning together, connect. What's the second discipline we have? Connect. What's the second one? Grow, right? You have to be in a small group. So we're going to, a lot of small groups pause over the holidays. That makes perfect sense. But we're going to be relaunching those in February. You have to be in a small group to grow with others. What's the third discipline, right? Sir, listen, for those of you longtime Bethel Church folks, right? I was sharing this with the worship team. Like, I to see this room at this many people is thrilling to me. You ready? You ready Ready for a little vision? You're going to pack this place at Christmas Eve. Amen? Amen? You guys are going to be thinking about two services again. Amen. That's exciting, is it? Like, I don't know. Look, to see what you guys did with the Ukrainian refugees, I didn't even show up. I was actually in Maryland with my family, and to see what was happening here, like, it blew my mind. And for you longtime Bethel folks, I was so thankful for you, for hanging in there and praying. And so as a church, we've turned from, man, how do we exist to, hey, let's go reach the community. Isn't that cool for the gospel? Does that bring you joy? Is that a lot deeper than happiness? Yes, right? And so what are these disciplines? Connect, grow, and serve so that we might have joy. The second thing Jesus said, how, how do we abide in Christ? Let her be. We keep his commandments. We have to do what God has called us to do. John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. When my kids were younger, I, my property, I, I have point like everybody else in the peninsula, I have 0.4 something of an acre, all right? And, uh, and my backyard is fenced. And uh, when we first bought the house, we actually looked at the house in the springtime. And my house was surrounded on this 0.4 acres. I had 40 trees. I've cut about half of them down because it's very expensive, but 40 trees. And we saw it in the springtime. Like, these trees are great. Not thinking about the fall, okay? Like, these trees are horrible, you know? And for 13 years, I've been raking leaves. And when my boys were little... On Saturday morning, you know, whatever, they'd be doing the typical Saturday morning middle school thing. And I'd walk in and I'd be like, hey, I need you guys to come out and help me rake for a little while, right? And I had one boy that was always super sweet. He's like, dad, I'll be right out. And I had the second boy that would just give me a hard time. I ain't coming out. I'm raking. I'm sitting here. 
Y'all have those two kids? Which one do you like the most? You love them the same, but which one? Here's what was fascinating. Here's what was fascinating. The kid that grumbled came out and helped me. The kid that said, yeah, Dad, I'll be right out. Never came out, you know? And so at the end of the day, which one loved Dad? The one that came out and picked up a rake, right, and said, I'm here to help for 15 minutes or however long they helped. I don't know, right? And so listen, Jesus is saying is to abide in me and to have joy is to, to do what I tell you to do. And listen, God's not the cosmic killjoy. When he gives you something to do, his commandments are actually good for us. So some of you in this room, like you're like, I love God, but man, I'm tangled in a sexual sin. What's that going to do to your joy? Like there's pornography all over your life. It's Hebrews 12, right, where the author of Hebrews says, Run the race, laying aside every weight that entangles. And some of you are entangled in like a sin, right? You're, 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 you're married. And men, you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And sacrificing yourself for her. And therefore, you're running this race in entanglement. And wives, you're not respecting your husband as unto the Lord, as worship to the Lord. And so you're, you're tangled in, in sin. Listen, some of you love Jesus and you're not knowing, you ready? Uh, I'm, I can say this because Pastor Andrew's on here, right? And if you don't like it, you're like, oh, he won't be back for a long time. So, uh, so some of you don't know the joy of giving, right? And being a part of what God's doing at the coastal because like you're not a part of like your generosity. And, and by the way, why are we generous with our finances? Because we serve a generous God. Romans says, if he didn't withhold his son, will he not also give us all things, right? And so you're not being obedient to the word. And so guess what? You're, it's good for you to be obedient to the word. You're, you're not using your time, talent, treasure, or whatever, and you're not enjoying what God has for you as together we serve the Lord together. The third thing that Jesus told us, how do we abide in Christ, is we love one another, right? This is my commandment, John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you, that you love one another as I have loved you. I'd like to say it this way. If we love Jesus, then we love what Jesus loves. Let me say that again. If we love Jesus, we, we love what Jesus loves. What does Jesus love? Does he love his church? Right? And guess what? If we love Jesus, we love what Jesus loves. It means we, means we, we, we love the church. I, one of the things that I found to be a great question starter, if you want to get somebody talking, right? This is a great question. Hey, tell me about your kids. We can't. Sh- I was mentoring a couple guys in my office a couple weeks ago, and they're all young family, young dads. And, and one of them pulled out a picture of their toddler, and out came, hey, I got to show you this video. Well, what do you think the other three did? Oh, well, that's nothing, you know? And all of a sudden, there went an hour of my time watching toddlers do toddler things, right? And like, tell me about your kids, right? Or grandparents, tell me about your grandkids. Like, we can't help ourselves, right? We love our kids. You love your kids. You love your grandkids. And when someone says, when someone else comes up to you and they take an interest in your kid, you can't help yourself. Yeah, my kid's the greatest. Like, let me tell you about them, right? Listen, if you love somebody, you love what they love. 
That's why it's a great conversation starter. Listen, you can't say that you love Christ and then go, I can do without his church. I can do without the people that Jesus loves. Listen, I guarantee you there's someone in this church that you love deeply and they love you deeply. And you show, part of your showing up is, man, you can't wait to see them and they've been so kind to you and you've been kind to them and there's just this mutual friendship and they love you. And I also know there's someone in this church that drives you crazy and you sit on the other side of the room because you're like, man, I, if I don't talk to them, that'd be great. And you want to know something? Jesus loves that person as well. Amen? I call these people in your small group, I call them EGRs. I don't know if you know what an EGR is. It's a person in your life where extra grace is required, okay? And, and, and they, God puts them there for you so that you learn humility and service. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, that's weird, my group doesn't have an EGR. Could be you, okay? I'm just saying, could be you. And you're here for us, and we're so thrilled you're here, okay? So every group has them, right? I love uh, Ephesians. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You want to know what I love about that verse? You want to know my favorite word in that verse? It's not unity and it's not peace, although I love unity and I love peace. It's the word effort. It requires effort to have peace and unity as a church body, which means if we're going to love what Jesus loves, you're going to have to forgive somebody from time to time. There's going to be people in your small group that are hurt your feelings. If you're, if you're new to church life, it only takes about a week and a half for somebody to hurt your feelings, all right? And you have to, again, why do we have to learn forgiveness? Church, why do we have to learn forgiveness? Because we've been forgiven much. That God is teaching us in that process how to be like him, a merciful and a forgiving God. And there's going to be times in your life that your small group's going to surround you with love. And they're going to lift you up when you didn't think that you could make it. And in that is a life of joy. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you love what I love. You love one another. God loves each and every one of you. He loves all of us in this room together as followers of Christ. And we have to love one another. And in that is joy. And finally, number three, I'll finish with this. The overflow of abiding in Christ is joy. When you abide in Christ personal disciplines, corporate disciplines, right? Um, keep his commandments, love one another. When we do those things, there is joy. John 15, 11, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And we discipline ourselves to abide in Christ. And when we keep it by keeping his commandments, by loving one another, by bearing fruit, by using our time, talent, and treasure to fulfill the commissioning that Christ has called us to, abiding in Christ will ultimately bring us joy all the way till the day that our faith becomes sight. Check this out, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul says this, the season called life is not easy. But joy is about understanding that this season called life is an assignment that God has given us with the hope that I'm grounding all that I do and all that I am in this thing called eternity. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says it this way. This is what he calls your life. For these momentary, light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, church. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Joy is found when we abide in Christ. We keep His commandments. We love one another. We discipline ourselves. We connect, grow, and serve. We are investing in things that are eternal. I, I keep this blanket in my office. And I'll finish with this and then we'll close with prayer. I keep this blanket in my office to remind me of some things. Um, I always say, life, some of you are already like, it's backwards, you idiot. Uh, so, a little nicer than that, but I always say, this is kind of our first 70 or 80 years of life. We see dimly. We, we, we know there's something of eternal value going on, but it's not always easy to figure out what it is. Now, on the back side of this blanket is a tapestry that I'm going to show you in a minute, and you're going to see the full picture. But right now, you see dimly, and I would suggest to you that our lives are one of the strands in this beautiful thing that God is doing. Man, parenting right now is really hard. I got this wayward kid, man, I'm praying for. My marriage is tough. I'm really supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. She's not nice. I'm supposed to respect my husband. Isn't the Lord like he doesn't do things that are worthy of respect? And the finances are tight. The car is a pain in the neck. Whatever. And I see dimly, but I do it with a joyful heart, knowing God's doing something bigger than I can only imagine. And then one day, our faith, church, is going to become sight, and the picture is going to become clear to us. Now, some of you are going to go, Sean, that picture of heaven looks a lot like Camden Yards baseball game we can only hope right we can only hope I don't know so but I have to believe according to the scriptures as I abide in Christ that this thing called life that even though it's difficult and even though I don't fully understand I do it and I do the hard things as unto the Lord as I abide in Christ as I connect grow and serve as I love people even when they're not lovely as I keep the commandments and I work hard to grow in righteousness and holiness and overcome a sin that's besetting from time to time because I want to obey the commands of Christ and as I do these disciplines so that I can grow in holiness and righteousness I just know that one day I'm going to, my faith's going to become sight, and I'm going to go, oh, that's what God was up to. It was way bigger than I even imagined. And here's what I want to tell you, and here's what I'm going to leave you this morning. And in that is joy. 70 or 80 or 90 years, tough. God's using to do something bigger than you can even imagine. And that's why in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when the angel showed up, the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what church? And, it's, and who's, that, who's that message for? For all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And that Savior is in Christ the Lord. And so church, I want to encourage you. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will know the joy that I share with my heavenly Father. May you go in the joy, last week we talked about the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, here's what I want to do. Do we have a prayer team here? 
Prayer team, I want you up under the TVs, all right? Come on up now. I'm going to make you do it in front of everybody, okay? So stand up. If you came in this morning and you're, Pastor Brian, you're going to come up. Nobody's coming up, so I'm going to have somebody move. So if you, if you ever come to Coastal Chesapeake and you need prayer, the prayer team is always here for you. Worship team, come on out. And, uh, and the prayer team is always here to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know how to have the joy and the eternal perspective that I talked about this morning, this prayer team would love to talk with you and pray with you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go out singing this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that this church might know the joy of the gospel of Jesus, that they might abide in him. And yes, God, we see dimly right now. And yes, God, sometimes we need prayer, and sometimes we need others, and we certainly need regular encouragement of corporate worship. But we know that there's going to come a day that our faith becomes sight, and man, it makes us long all the more to see Jesus face to face. Thank you for giving us your very best gift, your one and only son, Jesus. And may this church of people go in the peace and the joy of Christ. And so now we go out singing that, reminding our hearts through song. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go out singing this morning. Let's